Sean and Kendall, Robbie, Jared, Chris, and Vance, thank you for uh, leading us to the throne this morning and uh, sharing with us how great our God is. What an opportunity that we have this morning to hear from Him and to put our faith into action. If you have a copy of God's Word, please turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. We will finish this morning the the call of Elisha. The call of Elisha. Last week we saw one aspect of this road to something greater. If you desire something greater, if I desire something greater, that road that you and I must journey on to get to that place of something greater, it goes through at least one checkpoint. And that checkpoint that it must take, that road that it must take, is the checkpoint of surrender, of sacrifice, and of service. And we saw that in the life of Elisha last week. This morning we will see two more things on this road for you and for me to obtain something greater. And, uh, and so that's where we'll see these is in Second Kings chapter 2. We'll start in verse 6 and we'll go through the end of the chapter. But before we get there, it was February of 1519. In February of 1519, on the island of Cuba, there was a group of people from Spain. They had conquered a number of islands. They had been in Cuba, and they had had found themselves all the way through Cuba, and they were setting their sights on a permanent settlement in the interior of Mexico. And just before... February, they had set sail toward the shore of Mexico. On those 11 ships were some 523 soldiers. There were others that were going to um, establish this colony, and there was one. His name was Hernan Cortez, and he was a fearless leader. In 1508, he had found himself leaving Spain and coming to this new world. He was an 18-year-old, and he was taking over. Anything that was asked of him, he did it, and he did it with excellence. Everybody looked at him and said, if anybody wants something, that's the guy. There had already been two failed tries at a permanent settlement in interior Mexico. They failed miserably. And so finally, the one in charge over Cuba said, we need him to lead it. And he was Hernan Cortes. And here's what happened. February of 1519, those 11 ships hit the sand. Mexico. Everybody got off the ship and there, everybody got off all 11 ships and there was one command and here was the command. Burn the ships. Excuse me? Burn the ships. Yep, burn the ships. 
For you see, in his eyes, there was no plan B. In his eyes, it was either we're going to conquer this place or we're going to die trying. And you're like, okay, burn the ships. Yep, burn the ships. 553 people got off those 11 ships. It's estimated in 1519 that the population of Mexico was 5.5 million people. And if that was the case, then they were outnumbered 5,553 to 1. Now you and I, we can read the history books and we can see all the terrible atrocity that this man and these 550 did to Mexico. But I'm telling you, there was no plan B. And for you and for me, if we're going to grasp, if we're going to, to, to desire and to want and to see something greater, there must never be a plan B. There was not a plan B in Elisha's life and there need not be a plan B in your life nor in my life. Read with me. You'll see the verses on the screen, I believe, but read with me verse number 6 down through verse number 14 as we see this first point this morning, the second point of the call looking along the road of something greater. But here's what God's Word states in 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan, to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them, they went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, and he rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted on the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, uh, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and and they talked, behold, chariots and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind in to heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen And struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? 
When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Heavenly Father, I bow and I pray. Father, I pray that you would use this time this morning in the hearts and in the lives of the men and women that are in this room. Father, we would count the cost of what it means to surrender our lives, to deny ourselves, and to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we would, just as Sean read out of Romans chapter 6, we would understand that we have been crucified with you, Jesus, that our old selves have been dead and buried, and Father, we are to live, Jesus, we are to live this life with you living through us and you living in us, and that is true life. So I pray that we would have come to that checkpoint, Father, that we have surrendered that there is sacrifice, and Father, we desire to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And also, Father, we would look at this passage and we would see, oh, Father, what also is involved. God, you must speak, you must break through for this culture and this world that we live in. Father, it pulls and draws and ensnares and traps us so easily. May our eyes this morning be affixed and attuned to you and might you speak, might you show this body what you have for us. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. The first point this morning is this, the second point in in the sermon, so to speak, but the first point that we will um, elaborate on that comes from this passage in verses 6 down through verse 14 is this, that the road to something greater, the road for you and the road for me to something greater includes a heavenly vision. What takes place here? If, if you look at Second Kings verses 1 through 14, there are multiple times where Elijah looks over to Elisha and says, Hey, Elijah, why don't you just stop? I, I don't know all the places that God has for me to go today, but I'm telling you, he's got me to go on a long journey, and we got to go here, and we got to go here, and we got And Elisha says, Dude, I'm not leaving you. There is no way in the world that we're separating today. Because not only did Elisha know, but there were these 50 prophets that knew that something was happening, that Elijah was over and God was going to do something. And so they're following at a distance. Elisha is up close and personal with Elijah and there is no way. And time and time again, it's recorded three times. He says, why don't you just stay here? And Elisha says, nope, not happening. It's not happening. I am right here with you and I'm going. And then he asked the question. And he says, 
okay, if you're staying here with me, what in the world can I do for you? And Elisha says, all right, here's what I want. I want a double portion. Double portion? Yep, that's what I want. Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. I love how Elijah answers that. And he says, you have asked a hard thing. You know, if there was some... physical aspect to what you're wanting, if you wanted the house that I had, if you wanted the clothes, the staff, the cloak, if that's what you wanted, if you wanted this place or that place, that's fine. I can give that. And that's not a hard thing for me to answer. Whatever I've got, you could have it. I'm gone. But he said, no, I, I want this spiritual thing. And here's the spiritual thing. I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah might have taken a step back and said, uh, that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing for, for me to, to answer. And on the one hand, Elisha is asking for this double portion. And it's not that, hey, I want to be able to do, even though it was, I stated it last week, that, hey, Elijah did 14 miracles, and Elisha, if you look in, in Scripture, he's got 28 of them. It's not that, all right, there was this double aspect of that that's not exactly what he's asking but he's saying Elijah somebody's going to succeed you somebody is going to be quote your son in the spirit and they are going to succeed you and I want that for the past 18 years I have been your assistant for the past 18 years I've walked with you there is nobody that's closer I want that and Elijah says that's a hard thing Because truly, he's not the one that passes the mantle from himself to somebody else. It's God. God is the one who calls. He's the one who called Elijah. He's going to be the one that calls the next man of God to go to the nations. But here's what Elijah said. If you see me, if you see me when I'm taken up, because Elijah knows what's happening today, and he says, if you see me when I'm taken up, then it will be done. So they go a little further, and he takes his cloak off, and he rolls it up, and he hits the water of the Jordan, and it passes, it it parts, and they pass through, and then all of a sudden, probably in your mind, you, as I read it just a moment ago, you have this thought, maybe it's something in between uh, my little pony and the hunger games or the hobbit there is this scene that is in your head that that you've got that there's these fiery horses and this thing this chariot coming down out of heaven down to the ground and they part elijah and elisha and then there's this whirlwind and then just all of a sudden elijah goes The cloak falls down, and Elisha's there by himself. Folks, this was not a necessarily pretty scene. You need to understand that this is not Hunger Games, The Hobbit. This is not that My Little Pony cartoon with them coming down. This, and Elisha knows it. He knows this. 
because he cries out and he says, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and, and its horsemen. And then he didn't see them anymore. And he took his clothes and he tore them in two pieces. This was a scene. This was an act of God's judgment. And he should have died. Every time there is fire, every time there is a whirlwind slash tornado, that is God's judgment that is being shown, being demonstrated, and that is what is taking place right here on the other side of the Jordan with Elijah and Elisha. And he should have died, and he knows that he should have died, yet he is there. And his cloak falls to him. He sees this heavenly vision And he knows. Elijah was a man of faith. Elijah was God's man. Elijah said, if you see me, then you will have a double portion, and it is yours. You have the blessing. You are the prophet of God for your time. I'm going to be in his presence. And he took a hold of his own clothes, Elisha did, and he tore them into two pieces, and then he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and he stood on the bank. Not only if we're seeking something greater and we are asking what that is and we want to go down this road and we want to be a part of something greater, must we see this heavenly vision? But here's where the rubber meets the road. We see the second point this morning, and it is this, that... If you're going to travel down the road of something greater, it involves bold acts of faith. So as I spend the next few moments looking at these bold acts of faith, I've got a question for you. It's not for anybody else, it's for you. Because you're the only person that can answer it for you. The person to your right or left, in front or behind, they've got to ask the question for themselves. They've got to answer the question for themselves. The question for you this morning, the question for me this morning is this. What bold act of faith are you acting upon? What are you acting upon that God has said, hey, here is my will. Here is the action. Here is what I've got you, what I want you to be about. What are you acting upon? What we're fixing to read, what we're about to read, there are three bold acts of faith shown. One right after the other after the other in the life of Elisha to let you and let me see that this is a man of God and this is the one who has the double portion, who has the blessing, the spiritual blessing to take up the position and the mantle, the cloak, so to speak, of Elijah. He took a hold of his clothes in verse number 12. He tore them into two pieces, and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. You know how he got on that side of the Jordan, right? Elijah took his cloak, he rolled it up, and he slapped the Jordan River, and it parted, and they walked across. And he takes up the cloak, and he's standing on the bank, and he's got to get to the other side. 
Here's where it hits. I mean, this is where the rubber hits the road, right here. And he's standing there. He rolls that cloak up and he smacks the water. I kind of envision it like a just a huge beaver tail just hitting the water. And God parts the Jordan. And as he parts the Jordan, he walks across and immediately he sees this group of 50, these 50 prophets that they knew something was going to happen to Elijah. They'd already talked to him about it, saying, hey, this is what, you're about to go to heaven. You're about to leave. And so he sees them. Now when the sons of the prophets, verse 15, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, they saw him on the opposite, opposite them, and they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. It's not that they were worshiping him, but they were paying him respect. It's as if they knew Elisha, the master, the man of God, is now gone. And Elisha is the one who is carrying that. They are respecting him and they are coming before him. And they said to him, verse 16, Behold now, there are with you your servants, fifty strong men. Please, please let them go and seek your master. And if they be, it may be that the Spirit of the Lord has caught him up and has cast him upon some mountain into some valley. And Elisha said, you shall not sin. But when they urged him till he was ashamed. I mean, they were just in his ear, in his right ear, in his left ear. They were all over him. He said, sin. In essence, he said, if you want to go waste your time, go ahead. Go, go sin. And they sent, therefore, 50 men. And for three days, they wasted their time. For three days, they sought him, but they did not find him. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho. And he said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? Did I not tell you you're wasting your time? Did I not tell you do not venture into this? But, all right. So, now. The men in the city said to Elisha, Behold, verse 19, The situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. And he said, Bring me a new bowl. Bring me a new bowl. And put salt in it. And so they brought it to him, and then he went to the spring of the water and threw the salt and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. And he went up from there to Bethel, or to Bethel, the house of God. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up! Go up, you bald head! Go up! Go up, you bald head! And he turned around. And he saw them. He cursed them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. From there, he went on to the Mount Carmel. And from there, he returned to Samaria. 
the road to something greater involves bold acts of faith. It involves bold acts of faith for you. It involves bold acts of faith for me. I just read you three acts of faith from Elisha. He took the cloak, slapped the water. He came and said, hey, don't go look for him. I know where he is. They went anywhere. Anyway, he, he said, give me a new bowl, put salt in it. And he went and he cured the, the spring of that city. And then boys, literal translation is young men, they came out and they started cursing him. They started jeering at him. They started mocking him. And God sent two female bears and they were destroyed, 42 of them. Bold acts of faith. You say, Brian, that's great because that's, that's a prophet, that's a man of God. I, I understand that. That's kind of like a, a seminary student, somebody that's got a, a higher education. Yes, there are those select few, but I'm telling you that it's not just them. It's you. You say, Brian, how in the world do you know that? Because this is what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works greater works than these will he do because i am going to the father whatever you ask in my name this is verse 13 whatever you ask in my name this i will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask me anything in my name i will do it You know, the past few weeks, we have been in this something better, asked you the question, do you want something better? Everybody wants something better. Do you want something greater? Everybody wants something greater. But are you willing to pay the price for something better and something greater? Because you and I, if we want something better, if we want something greater, then you and I must surrender we must deny ourselves. We must take up the cross. We must follow Him. It is that. But what you receive and what I receive in return, for giving up all our junk, for giving up all our mess, for giving up all our troubles, all our trials, all our mess up, I mean, all the times that you are ensnared and entangled and trapped, that I am ensnared and entangled and entrapped in sin, if we give that to him, he has paid it all, and he says, here, you have my very best. Here, you have everything that I have. I am seated at the right hand of the Father. I am waiting for my God, my Father, to say, go get your children, and I will rule and reign in all eternity. And you, Sir, ma'am, we have that same opportunity, and it is before us. It is something better. It is something greater. He says, if you'll just 
Give me all your heartache, all your struggle, all your pain. I will give you something so much better, something so much greater. He goes in this town and he asks for a new bowl. You're like, I saw, I heard that you emphasized new bowl. And I did. And I think it's very important. It's very important because Elisha is not Elijah. Everybody there, if it would have been Elijah, and he would have said, just get me a bowl, give me some salt, and it's fixed. But he said, no, give me a new bowl and give me some salt. And what I believe the picture is that he wanted to portray to those in that city was this. That yes, I'm not Elijah, but I am Elisha. I am not old. I am new. And God is speaking and he is using and he is working in me and through me. So therefore, you need to understand this new bowl, this salt will be thrown in. But God is the one doing it. And he's using me. Guess what? He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us. The question is, will you and will I allow him to? Three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I found myself uh, sitting in the office back in the back and I found myself asking God, Father, what, what is it that you want? What is it that you want for me? What is it that you want? What's, what's, what's next for River Bend? I know that something greater is coming up. I, I know that that's a part of the sermon series that is fastly approaching. And God took me to a passage of Scripture that we have heard before and we have set out on a journey before but he allowed me to see one word that is used twice that I just passed over a year plus ago really didn't mean anything a year plus ago it's a good word but it wasn't a word a year ago it year and a half ago from this passage it was that we were going to respond to God's word, that we were going to strengthen the body, that we were going to care for the community, that we were going to rescue the fallen, and that we were going to live Christ's life out, out of verses 8 and 9 and 10 of Isaiah chapter 35. But I found myself in Isaiah 35, and it states this in verse 1 and verse 2, in the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the flower. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Folks, I don't know everything that God has in store for us in this day. Some things are formulating and some things are coming together, but I do believe this, that it is time for us. He is calling you and He's calling me to blossom. 
You know the funny thing about a flower? If it gets its needs, water, sunlight, food from that water and the, nur- the nutrients to nourish it, it's just in its nature, nature to blossom. You know what? The church, as I close this morning, the church, spiritually speaking, if we get what we need, Nutrients from the Father. If we are in His Word and we are there and we are being fed and fed and fed, it is in our nature as Christians, as spiritual sons and daughters of the King. Blossom. He's calling you, He's calling me to blossom right here. We have opportunities coming up this month. You heard about them from Stephen You have continued to hear about them week after week. We have things that are on, I hate this word, schedule. But there are opportunities for you. Opportunities for us to take the great name of Jesus into a dark culture, a dark neighborhood, and to change not necessarily culture, not even a neighborhood, but to change individuals and to see God change eternity in their lives. Some of us here are called to go across the globe. We have sent out a a few couples, and we plan to send out at least one more at the end of this year. But most of us in this room are not called to pick up everything that we own and to go and live on the other side of the globe. But God has you and He has me living right here, right now. He has you living at an address that nobody else lives at. He has me living at an address that nobody else lives at. He has you with neighbor on one side or the other. Maybe they're close or maybe they're further apart. But you have neighbors and I have neighbors that nobody else has. You have coworkers that nobody else has. You have friends and family and acquaintances. And he's calling you just as he's calling me. Why don't you be Jesus? Why don't you take up that mantle? You have seen a heavenly vision because there was one who died on a cross who saved you from your sins. He paid everything for you. He paid everything for me. You have seen it. I have seen it. Why don't you, Brian Tillman, why don't you, River Bend, why don't you, ma'am, why don't you, sir, act out on bold faith and see God? Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Lord, I don't know what you have said to every man and every woman, every boy and girl in this place. Father, some of them, I believe, have not seen a heavenly vision because they have not become yours. Lord, I pray for them right now. I lift up those men and those women, those boys and girls. God, tear away religion 
Let them know where they stand with you and what your desire is for them. That you have given everything if they would just come to the cross. Father, for us that are here that Father, we've blown it another time. We, we've blown it, seems like, the 10,000th time. Father, would you allow us to come back to the cross that you might use us for your name in Hernando. You might use us in northwest Mississippi. You might use us in Memphis as you take us there on a daily occurrence to bring honor and glory, to expand the name that is above every name. Father, it is time for us to blossom. But the only way that we will do that is through bold acts of faith, with us keeping our eyes affixed and attuned on you, surrendering, sacrificing, and serving. Father, I pray. Sir, whatever he's asking you to do this morning, I pray that you would do it. Ma'am, whatever, whatever has been heavy on your heart, that burden that you are carrying that you think nobody else knows about, come lay it at his feet. He knows it. He's paid for it. The invitation is for you. You stand and you join with us as we sing. Spend time with the Father. Allow His Spirit to convict, to encourage, to come alongside and minister in your heart as Sean and the team leads us. You respond.